This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Today on CityCast Boise, it's finally Friday and our Hey Boise newsletter editor Blake Hunter is with me to dig into the week's news. We're talking righteous rage tweets, grown-up apologies, and a new lawsuit from a former city council member. Plus, Boise, we're having a party! It's Friday, April 14th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hey, Emma. How's it going? Good, good. It's been a very like interesting and eventful week. And I think we should start with this story about Boise School District trustee Shiva Rajmandari. He just formally apologized for a profane tweet that he sent Governor Little after the governor signed the bill banning gender-affirming care for minors. And I think most people can probably guess where I sit on this debate as a comedian and someone who has, you know, fairly regularly tweeted things at the governor. But uh <laughs> I'm really curious to see how you feel about the situation, Blake. We haven't really talked about this, so I, I do want to hear your your perspective <laughs> out, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, ooh, I was out of town last weekend or last week when this was kind of happening, um, but kind of followed along on Twitter a little bit uh, and was like, oh, gosh, I'm glad I'm not having to cover this right now. But I think that it's at the crux of a lot of things here. Um, you know, we have a Boise versus Idaho debate going on in a lot of ways. It's related to schools. It's related to trans-affirming care for minors. Like there's just, there's so much kind of going on jam-packed into this. And, you know, unfortunately for Shiva, like like he's 18 and he's at the crux of this, of this debate and he's, you know, well-equipped to deal with it. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it's just a difficult situation. I also understand that like, you know, the Boise school district with the way the system is set up, they kind of had to have him apologize. They had to they had to apologize to Governor Little for that. But as we'll kind of get into, it's really frustrating. Um, it's a frustrating situation just kind of having him have to walk back these kinds of things and apologize for this behavior when, you know, we have like 60-year-old legislators who are not being profane always, but saying really horrible things about trans kids in the legislature as elected officials. And I'd, I'd take Shiva over them any day, honestly. <laughs> uh, and, and I'd take this response over them any day, to be honest. Um, yeah. What are, your, what are your thoughts? I assume that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, you, what you're assuming, probably true. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I want to say I, I was really proud of Shiva. Uh, I thought that standing up, you know, speaking truth to power is a big piece of why I do comedy. And I thought that 
You know, he expressed himself in the moment, his his anger and his hurt and his fear for the for his trans friends and family. And and I I really felt like, you know, that was a very impassioned thing to say. And I was, you know, a lot of people were kind of critical of him for apologizing. But I agree with you that, like, he has a job to do. He has responsibilities. I thought he took it on the chin. I thought he took it like a pro, you know, like um, it, it takes a lot of integrity to say. I and I thought he his apology was really perfect. Where he's like, I don't back up the sentiment. Yep. You know, I'm not I'm not pulling that in at all. But I am standing by. I do want to apologize for my language. You know, that said, uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I totally agree with you in that. Like, what's happening is so much worse than what he said. And um, you know, I personally I read through a lot of Shiva's replies on social media, uh, people replying to him specifically. And a lot of the same people who were very worried about his uncouth language uh, regularly say some pretty vile, horrible stuff to him. And I just thought, you know, it's another example, as usual, of tone policing, of just being really hypocritical in like actions that harm people, but you're supposed to be, you know, pleasant and, uh, you know, easy to listen to when you respond. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just a perfect example of respectability politics um, mm-hmm. as an, as he's an elected official. So, you know, he is held up to certain standards um, of like, quote unquote, professionalism. And yeah, I wish that half of our elected officials in Idaho acted with half the amount of integrity that he did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought, you know, it's the same people tweeting these horrible things at him who are like, you're an elected official. You should blah, blah, blah. You should have more, you know, class. I'm like, he's also a high school student. And mm-hmm. you, re- I, I see, you know, certain uh, bad actors on Twitter regularly saying like really disgusting things to him. I'm like, he's he's a high schooler and you're yeah. saying these things to him. And yet you have a problem with him saying, you know, saying something to the governor like this. And I do want to say he said in a follow-up tweet that he said, too, that it's hypocrisy to suggest that, like, the profanity he used is more harmful than what HB 71 is going to do to the trans community. And I imagine you can speak to that really personally. Yeah, I mean, when there are such high-level, such institutional forms of this is just straight-up discrimination being put in place, rage can be righteous, You know, it can be powerful. It's a political strategy. Um, I definitely think that the, I mean, there's, in my, in my mind, there is no doubt that the profanity is by far less harmful than what House Bill 71 is going to do and has already done. This is high level institutional discrimination that's being put in place against trans kids and their families and against like physicians as well that is going to increase instability in Idaho's healthcare community and like trans communities point out the harm in his tweet. Like what harm did that cause? Um, it was directed to the governor. Uh, he's going to be fine. Trans kids are not going to be fine in Idaho. And I wish that we had more elected officials expressing their rage because when you don't see that rage expressed in your government and in your politics, boy, is that extremely isolating? Um, And, you know, it's a Band-Aid, like, you know, uh, but rage can be righteous and rage can be a political strategy um, and it can be used like for healing for communities that need it most. Um, So, yeah, I it's it's really frustrating that, frankly, he is being held to a higher standard than our legislators. And also, you know, he mentioned this. We'll we'll get into 
kind of the uh, story about Lisa Sanchez and the city council later, later, but he also mentioned the other day, you know, with her story, there's a lot of racism happening there where be, like two women of color being pitted against one another. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that's being directed at Shiva Rajmandari is also influenced by racism for sure. I mean, I absolutely agree with you on the racism piece. And boy, if you ever want to see some hideous replies to a public official, uh, the replies to Lisa Sanchez, like yeah. I get chills Ugh. thinking about the hateful, horrible stuff that she has tolerated uh, and had to live with. But um, I do wonder, you know, is there a kind of a generational divide on this? Because what we're seeing is a lot of, you know, boomer age uh, political people and other people, you know, saying, how could you say this to a publicly elected official? And Shiva being, you know, Gen Z. I mean, I have teenagers. These kids are feral. I always say it like they are not messing around. They are yeah. t they are done with this crap. Yeah. And some of the people that I saw commented about his about his words um, are interested in the environment and are um, passionate about climate change um, and you know, are more than willing to follow his activism on that front because he's he's made a lot of big moves there. Um, and that's been a big part of his platform. But then they're really quick to just turn around and be like, oh, you child. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, well, where's your spine? You know, the, but yeah, I mean, just the condescension that has been leveled at him uh, just on the grounds of, you know, him being a child is, yeah, really disgusting, frankly. Super disgusting. Very. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking of it more from his, per like his perspective, but you're right that so much of what I've seen has been, you know, like he'll figure it out. He's, it's a learning opportunity for him. And it's like, you know, he, it, he did something, uh, none of us who are older than, I haven't run for office. I, the people, yep. you know, criticizing him haven't done that, haven't taken on the civic roles and responsibility that Shiva was willing to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And I think about, you know, Shiva is the same age as two of my kids, essentially. And I think about how in my kid's lifetime, you know, school shootings have gone off the charts. They watched uh, two presidents drop the ball on COVID. You know, they have been through so, they're watching climate change just sort of get shelved and not dealt with by, you know, uh, politicians. And they have they have grown up in this, you know, like being able to see that like systemically the government is not serving them. And so why would someone who is 18 it's have so, so, so much respect for the government? And also it's funny to me that all the same far-right people who are like literally like, yeah, we should go to the Capitol and break windows. Are like, you yeah. can't say the F word to the governor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just blasphemy. Um, no, I know. And that's something that I really respect and admire about a lot of Gen Z is just that, like, they have a level of perspective. They have watched their entire lives um, the government just not care about school shootings, um, about gun violence, about, I mean, we're trying to get there on climate change, but not gaining a lot of traction. And I think that they just have a level of perspective that I wish I'd had a bit more of growing up where it was just like, oh my goodness, we have to like, I, I don't know. They, they just kind of see it for what it is. And uh, they're, again, like you said, they're ready to take some hits because they, they have a better perspective on the long-term like prognosis. Yeah, well put. I could talk about this all day. Yeah. It's very <laughs> much in my wheelhouse of, of things I'm constantly thinking about. 
you know, as somebody who people are like, why don't you do clean comedy uh, all the time? But because uh, I hate making money. Um, but anyway, let's move on to another messy local situation, uh, which you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Mayor McLean recently appointed two new members to the Boise City Council to fill the vacancies, and neither one of them was former city council person Lisa Sanchez. Uh, Blake, do you mind catching us up maybe for people who haven't been following this as closely? Totally. Um, so essentially, the city council has recently had two vacancies. Um, one of them was because uh, longtime city council member Elaine Clegg uh, left to be CEO of Valley Regional Transit. So her vacancy um, was an at-large seat. Um, and, well, I guess current representative uh, Colin Nash was appointed to fill that seat. Uh, and then Lisa Sanchez's seat became vacant or was vacated. Uh, the verbiage around that is always a little interesting. Um, was vacated because she moved out of her district because as a renter, she was told that she had to move. Uh, and then it's a little bit foggy, but she she essentially moved out of her district and her seat was vacated. Um, and she applied to fill that vacancy. Um, she was considered for it and then she didn't. Uh, she wasn't chosen and so it's it's been, you know, Lisa Sanchez has had a really controversy-filled run in the city council. A lot of that has not been uh, her fault, uh, honestly. Um, and so she is pretty upset that she wasn't selected for that. Um, and then there's kind of been some fallout from there that we, we can get into. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. Uh, it's it's kind of a hard situation to pull apart because on the one side, you have Council President Holly Woodings and Council Member Patrick Bajan on record with the Idaho Statesman saying the reason that she, you know, basically didn't she didn't get um, get the job <laughs> uh, that she was elected for back is that it would have been difficult for them to support her returning. And right. Bajan even went further and said he had real reservations about her honesty and integrity and she and had issues with that and, you know, that she had made false and misleading statements and sometimes even lies. And it's hard to tell what's going on, honestly, from the outside. Like, half of me feels like, are they mean girling her? Like, are, are there le legit concerns about her behavior? Like, what do you think? I mean... As we kind of talked about previously, she has had so much hate levied against her um, over the past few years. She has just been made into an absolute punching bag, which is not accidental as the only person of color on the uh, on the city council, as the only renter. And it's really interesting to see these other council members, uh, to some extent, you know, to some interpretations, turn on her. Uh, and to some interpretations have genuine concerns about some of the things that have happened that, you know, we probably will never really have very clear. A lot of people have their set answers for what they think has happened. But I, 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 I don't know. What do you what do you think is going on here? It's, well, it's just it's so complicated. And now she's filed this lawsuit and she's asking the court to court to void city council members uh, Latonia Haney Keith's appointment to District three. And she's saying, like, the city doesn't have the authority to remove her. And honestly, to be fair, I mean, she was elected. And it does seem a little weird to select someone, even who made a mistake. Like, even if you're on the team, you know, uh, she messed up the paperwork. It's her fault. She lost the seat. Even still seems weird to me to select somebody who wasn't elected to the position. Also, a lot of the language around that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the press release saying we want someone who can hit the ground running, who understands housing issues. And it's like, well, I think 
Lisa could do both of those things, uh, yeah. you know, and and just like you like uh, um, her lawyer, Wendy Olson, is saying that this is, you know, possibly retaliation. Totally. And, you know, Lisa's publicly spoken about systemic racism down at City Hall. And, you know, there were the the issues with her campaign finance stuff that IFF filed a thing for. So I don't know, uh, a, a very loaded, heated uh, thing. And I, well, I guess I'll just be interested to see what plays out, what happens yeah. with this lawsuit. And to be clear, you mentioned like the the campaign finance reports. Those have all been cleared. No wrongdoing with that. And uh, and also, you know, turns out it was filed by Idaho Freedom Foundation, who have, like you said, made her their punching bag for the last year or two. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to ask it. Do we feel like, you know, this is an election year for the mayor? Uh, Is this political? You know, did she know she would get shit for uh, reappointing Lisa Sanchez? I think maybe, but also I I don't know if this is going to work out in the mayor's favor again, because maybe what she's trying to do here, I think, is, is kind of have a clean slate um, and trying to move forward. Um, but then also like Patrick Bajan's comments, um, you know, questioning your, your fellow council members' honesty and integrity is no small. Uh, yeah, I, oof. That's going to be tough because I don't, do they expect that she's not going to hang around and like continue to be in city politics? They, they know that she will. So I'm interested to see how this plays out for both her and also what kind of backlash Mayor McLean is going to get for this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move into something a little bit more fun to finish off the week. Emma, you have an album coming out. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, this is my fifth comedy album coming out. It's called Myself, and I taped it uh, just outside of Portland in uh, at a wonderful little club called the Infinity Room, and uh, I'm really proud of it. It's really fun. I <laughs> it's very it's very cool because um, you know I took 16 months off of, of comedy at the beginning of COVID, and then when, then when I started back up after the vaccine, we were only doing these backyard shows where in it, just in Boise, where if you said I have a backyard and 40 people, I would come and do comedy just to practice and kind of like get back into the swing of things. And from that, from Boise backyards came this wonderful, lovely. Uh, sweet album that I just am so, so crazy about. So um, we're doing a big album release party April 28th at uh, Visual Arts Collective at VAC down in Garden City. And CityCast Boise is sponsoring it. And it's going to be super fun. There's a couple other comedians on the show. It's going to be just like big and rowdy and fun. And uh, all the city cast Boise people, including you, are going to be there. So yeah. people, you know, you can mensch around and tell people what the potato ice cream tasted like. And I uh, still have it in my freezer. I'll bring it. It'll be horrible. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. And that really speaks to how terrible it is that three teenage boys did not have a single, like they all had one bite and they were like, no, nope. No matter how desperate for sugar they are, they haven't tried it. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. And um People can get tickets at, on uh, Eventbrite or you can follow my socials. There's plenty of posts about them there. So people should come and and hear some funny jokes. I'm doing uh, brand new jokes that are not on the album that I've been Ooh. like kind of practicing yeah, before, which Boise, I don't know, for better or worse, Boise always gets uh, the first run of <laughs> my my comedy hour. So uh, yeah, it'll be really great. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. I almost didn't do something. And I'm so glad Frankie was like, what? You're, of course you're doing something. <laughs> of course yeah. you should do something. So I'm really glad she talked me into it because um, I was feeling kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, but it'll it'll be a blast. I'm really, really excited for it. 
It's always a great time when the team gets together. So this will be yeah. even better. I'm so excited. I know. I know. This is like everybody gets to be uh, at, at uh, a mono brunch with us. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Blake, thank you so much. This was a really great conversation about a couple of very complicated local issues and kind of fun to talk about Boise for the first time in a long time. True. So glad to be moved on from the legislature. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill, Evelyn Avitia, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye. Bye.